Guardians of the Watchtowers of the North by the power of, I don't know, GarageBand and Archive.org. Hear us. It's episode 117 of The Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. I'm Christine. Uh, Now, why would I give such a, what would you call it, um, powerful introduction, Christine? It it was quite powerful. And you know, your intros are always powerful. Oh, oh, you. I think think this might have something to do with what we're covering today, which would be the craft. Yes. 1996. I, I, I know. I looked it up. This movie is 23 years old, Christine. Why did you say it like that? This movie just... no. can drink. Yeah. Uh, it can't rent a car at a good rate, so that makes us feel not that old, right? No. Don't you get like a better price on renting a car if you're over 24? Is that it? Is I that still true? There, it might still be true. Who knows? We're it was true when I was 24, some, <laughs> some time ago. Um, yeah, realizing that this movie is 23. I'm doing the math right, right? Because I'm bad at math. And just that doesn't sound right. 23 years old. Christine, the craft is 23 years old. No, that's good. That's right. That's insane. Um, It came out the same year as Scream. True, true. So, uh, it was. A, it, I'm, a, I'm a very old person. A I'm big an old year lady. for genre cinema aimed at teenage girls exactly our age, would you say? Look, it was a good year. It really was, when you think about it. Wow. 23. Oh my god, Scream is 23 years yes. old. I, I, we, we, um, maybe I'll do a glamour spell to make myself younger so that well, I don't I, feel so old. I think what you should focus on is how timeless these movies are, how well fair. they've aged. And we are in the, you know, center of the 90s uh, rebirth, if you will. And just like, and this is how crazy it sounds when we say it, remember in the 90s when the 70s were totally in, we were all wearing yep. bell bottoms again? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So now we're in the 2019s and so now the 90s are back in so those little tiny barrettes and those nipple shirts are coming back people just wait for it yeah they i mean it's already started it really has we're not even kidding i saw ads on my facebook feed for delia's oh is the thing again apparently like just out of nowhere suddenly i'm seeing and like not just like one little thing like plastered everywhere and that just disturbed me um it's a lot to handle plain and simple it, but no it, it is a lot to handle somebody on twitter said something about like i don't care how hard you try i'm never gonna wear a little spaghetti strap dress with a t-shirt <laughs> underneath it and i was like that's not a thing again and then like a week later i walked by a window in the mall and there it was sure enough yeah i mean remember 1978 what was the big movie that year greece which was about the 50s because it was 20 years earlier Remember in the 80s when we were all about the 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 70s? No, in the 80s it was all about the 60s and the 90s it was all about the 80s. It's just scary how this is happening. 
It's almost like it's cyclical or something. Perhaps. Perhaps. Well, I, I, I can't wait till uh, the, you know, early 2000s come back into play. Uh, and they, they will. And they have their own style. And we will we will learn it in 10 years. We don't yeah, know what it was know right what now. It is. <laughs> don't you remember in the 90s being like, looking at pictures yep. of your parents in high school and thinking, oh, we'll never look silly because everything we're wearing is, is so normal. normal. Yeah. <laughs> we're not doing crazy bangs like my sister, where if I looked at her high school yearbook, everybody had crazy bangs. And I thought, we don't do that. No, we just all do the perfectly like pin straight hair with the part down the middle and, and put little barrettes in it. And, and that's crazy nowadays. And it's very humbling to realize this is a thing that happened. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I will try to not just harp on how 90s all of this is when we get to the craft. But before we get to the craft, we have other things to talk about, do we not? Uh, I think we do. All right. So what we do here, we talk about other movies we've been watching. Christine, what other movies have you been watching? Well, I think I said last time that we were going to watch all the Star Wars movies. Yes. So uh, we're... Oh, <gasps> that means you watched Attack of the Clones, doesn't I've, it? I've... We've, I think we've watched everything. We're halfway through Return of the Jedi because we okay. had to watch the craft, so I shut it off. Yes. Okay, so you are uh, <laughs> you moved along pretty well then. Oh, wait, so did you do – here's a question. So you did now Clones, Sith, Rogue One, Star Wars? We skipped Rogue One because we had just recently watched okay. it. Okay, okay. But yes, that was the plan. Okay, got it. So I, I got here. So Attack of the Clones. Give, give this one to me first. I have a very complicated relationship with this one. So here's the problem, and it's happened again. I'm be I were watching them too fast, and this is what happened the first time I watched them all together. I'm starting to get confused. <laughs> what? I, These I know movies? Phantom Menace is trash. Attack of the Clones is bad. Revenge of the Sith is less bad. See, I think? I'm in the oh. minority because. Um, I think Revenge of the Sith is weirdly overrated um, because so many people were so relieved because Clones has so many problems. Now, here's the thing. Of the first three, the one that I would watch the most, if I had to, is Attack of the Clones. Now, it's not good by any means. However, it has the most Christopher Lee... It has all yeah. that stuff with uh, Django Fett, which I find really fun because I like the actor, and I think it also has the best design. Like, the aliens and the clone planet are pretty cool. Um, some of the just kind of, like, the scene with all the little younglings and Yoda, like, that stuff is just kind of cool looking. Uh, you get Yoda in a lightsaber fight against Christopher Lee. Like, these are things that appeal to me. The other half of that movie is some of the worst screenwriting and acting ever put on a big screen. But uh, I have a weird, understandably misunderstandable soft spot for Attack of the Clones. Yes. It, now that you're talking about the things that occur in it, I, I'm going to say I didn't like it. I, I will say, though, for me, Phantom Menace is easily the worst. I agree. I agree. Because it's um, just so long and... Ugh, nothing really compelling, and there's so much unwatchable acting in it. Yeah, it's 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 a struggle. I think that like I was okay with Revenge of the Sith, or at least mm. like it, I don't know, it was fine. Um, you get a lot of Emperor Palpatine, and Ian McDiarmid's great, mm. so that helps. I yes, I appreciated that. 
And then I've seen New Hope probably like three times now, four maybe. I it's fine. I I will say that I will say that Ryan Johnson gave me a gift when he gave me The Last <laughs> Jedi because he gave me The Last Jedi and it it was like he gave me a door in yeah. which to enter Star Wars. So do you, want, do you know what my door is to the Star Wars your, universe? My door, door is the second Ewok movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, look, I get it. I, it's just as somebody who who literally reps every fandom, has knowledge of everything that's ever happened in pop culture, can, can navigate most circles, this is the one that eluded me. Sure. And it's very interesting to so late in my life be given a way to enter into the fandom. Mm. Um, that being said, I do not understand why anybody ever under any circumstances would have a problem with the force awakens Ray in specific, Ray in particular, God. because it's literally a remake of them. Oh, oh completely. Oh. Yes. I didn't fucking realize that. Yeah. I, I know people had said it, but like I watched it and I went, Oh my God, what are you, what is happening here? It's funny you say that. Cause I've never watched those two kind of in close proximity, but I've seen a new hope many times. So I know all the beats. And yes, when I saw force awakens, which I guess I've seen probably three times now, I I remember thinking, like, oh, right, so this is the cantina. Oh, sure, okay, so this is this relationship, this is that relationship. Right, this character dies the same way that character dies. But I can imagine now you, like, it, with if you watched both within, like, a week, how it's probably just, you can do that thing, like, what is it, like the Pink Floyd, when you play Pink Floyd and watch Wizard of Oz and it lines up perfectly? Yeah. It's probably like that with A New Hope. It's It was it was striking and, and interesting, and it really, like, how can anybody have a, a negative word to say yeah. after after it's literally a remake of the movie you won't shut up about? Yeah, definitely. But, I, like, obviously the original trilogy is... I'm I've for me it's not great it's not perfect the um Empire Strikes Back was actually really good yeah which is the best of of those movies I would say I didn't know that I guess really like as a as a movie it was good I didn't realize that you didn't kind of because I feel like that's now a general consensus is that everybody agrees Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie but I can't I could never ever get into these in a way that yeah. like I couldn't remember them if I only didn't... you'd seen the second Ewok movie as a little impressionable girl who dreamed of of crash landing on Endor befriending losing your whole family and befriending Wilfred Brimley the Hermlet and one one Ewok and a random creature that moves really fast then you would have had the right experience with these movies you know i will say to you and i observed this when we were watching um empire strikes back if some no one showed him to me when i was a kid Mm, yeah like so but if somebody had and they had started with that movie yoda is a legitimate muppet yeah Completely. And and Frank Oz's performance as Yoda is completely different is, than in the prequels. Yeah, and it is so special. And for me, I mean, Yoda is one of my favorite 
film characters of all time. My first screen name on AOL was MST for Mr. Sensei 3000, Yodemeister. Like, you fucking nerd. <laughs> yes, I am. So you make a very good point that, yeah, you as a Muppet fan would have understood or, or would have connected maybe to Empire. But you also are the oldest child. You were born in 82 and mm-hmm. you, did, you didn't have older brother. Like, a lot of the reasons I grew up with Star Wars are very circumstantial in a way. I have two older brothers who were the exact demographic of Star Wars. You and I were born on the tail end. We couldn't see any of the Star Wars movies in the theaters until Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. So it's it's where that we're kind of to talk about like all this generational stuff. We're right at the cusp between Gen X and Millennials. And if you didn't have an influence to kind of draw you to Star Wars, why would you as a kid watch Star Wars? Yeah. I, I, my, I, my mother never cared for sure. it, and she would be the one that would put movies in front of me. Right, so, right. of course, she's going to put she's gonna put Labyrinth on. Yeah. She's not going to put these Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. But that, you have I, one female character in these movies that I talks. This, your mother was not the demographic for these movies. No, no, no. And she, I even remember when, she, when the prequels came out, she went with my stepdad, and she, she will famously tell the story where she fell asleep. <laughs> I mean, for Phantom Menace, who, who amongst us didn't? And so, like, it just wasn't her bag. So I didn't really, there was no reason. But, yeah, seeing it now, I would have been like, oh, as a kid, I would have, this would have been something that I would have liked and responded to. But eh, I'm a 36-year-old woman discovering Star Wars. It's a different trajectory. (laughs) Fascinating. I really hope you keep going and that you do watch the Ewok movies. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen them. That's one of... That is the one movie that I am so scared to go rewatch because it was so special to me as a kid and I have not seen it in probably 28 years. And they are so infamously derided by people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like kind of going to be heartbroken if they don't hold up. But I feel like there there was something in that second movie for me because it was the first time I ever saw a female character I could identify or any character I could identify with in the Star Wars universe. So... Hmm. Well, if I watch them, I'll let you know. Please do. I look forward to this. Or do I? Yeah, you do. So the next movie we're covering, guys, episode 118, (laughs) is going to be Ewoks 2, Caravan of Grinch. I mean, if you really wanted to, we could. think about it. I don't know how available they are. Because these are the movies that George Lucas tried to not make overly easily watchable to people today. Oh, and here's a fun, here's a little aside. I know we've been talking about this for too long, so I'll wrap it up. But Zach was very deliberate about what versions he acquired. And he didn't necessarily acquire them, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, we have that copy, too. They're, they they um have the original footage still in them. So I've never... What are you, you running in here to say? <laughs> They're the de-specialized. Yes, yes, Thank yes, you, yes. sweetie pie. But basically, I had only seen the original trilogy with the, the stuff added. Yeah, which... And, and I will say, really, I re- that's the shit I remember. We're watching these movies that I saw maybe five, six years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't really remember any of this until it's stuff where I'm like, oh, wait, I remember this goes on way too long. Because it stands out so badly. The only Empire, Empire is the one that kind of avoids it because all they really do is sort of enhance like 
some of the stuff going on in Cloud City. Like, there's no extra scene. Whereas in Star Wars, you have that Jabba scene that is terrible. And both in terms of it looks awful, but it also hurts momentum and makes no sense to be there. You didn't need it. Um, You get the Greedo shooting first. You get... Ugh, and you get so much weird CGI in places that there's no need mm-hmm. for it, and it just pops out so badly. Yeah, it's. I think so. I think that that really did affect my initial viewing. Yeah, I, I think it left me with a bad taste in my sure. mouth. Even, I mean, I knew that's not how it was initially intended, but also that's what I'm just watching. Yeah, of so course. like, yeah. So okay, that's it. I'll stop talking about it. Yep, that's okay. <laughs> I look forward to hearing the rest of the saga from you. All right. Well, there's a couple more, but Mm -hmm. a lot of it was those movies. Um, We watched a documentary on Netflix, which I do not recommend, but I'm going to tell you. It is called Ghost Heads, and it is about Ghostbusters fans. Oh, I thought it was about ghosts that were just heads, which in itself is kind of fun. Do they float? Do they roll? What do they do? I wish. Mm. So I feel like a Ghostbuster documentary can go a lot of ways. Um. It was too long and didn't really give any mm. good information. It was a little bit rambly. And it it seems like it... Well, they meant, they talk about the new movie that in it. That was my worry, yeah. But it doesn't... It, I think it was pre the actual wide release of it. Because mm. there's footage of, of some of the fans going to, like, see, like, um, meet Paul, uh, Paul Feig and see the trailer and, like... All this stuff, but like, there's that's where it kind of ends. Mm. So, I, I mean, really, for me, that fandom is marked by its exclusionary nature. Yeah, yeah. So definitely. it's kind of hard to watch something about it. To do a documentary that doesn't address the biggest kind of news about Ghostbusters is a is a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was weird, and I wouldn't recommend it, but I thought it was oh, good to know. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. So we watched The Prodigy. So that came in the theaters, or it's did, did you see that in the? Th- it's it's out of the theaters now. Okay, yes. that was very quick. It was very quick. I, if you recall, I was sick for a while. Um, it was it came and went while I was sick. <laughs> we we kind of <laughs> go and see it. It was like two weeks, and yeah. then it was gone. Um, um what did you? So, was, what did you think? You need to watch it. Obviously, <gasps> Ooh, okay. You know, but I went was, to college with Taylor Schilling. Did you? Yep, she was a freshman when I was a senior at Fordham's theater department. That's very interesting. Yeah. She was very um, good as a freshman actor. She's she's the only thing here. Okay. There's nothing else for you here. But it's um, about an evil child, right? It is, but it's not good. Mm. But like not good in an Emily way that is good? No. I think it's I think it's fascinating and it's weird but it's not good and i would be very surprised if it was weird enough for you to be like oh i forgive this mm, it's okay. actually good it's turn the corner and become good all right gauntlet throne i i will eventually watch it when it becomes readily yeah. available to my eyes i don't i don't think you'll like it but i look forward to hearing right. <laughs> what you say um we saw avengers endgame yes i feel like let's save that to the end of this discussion because i saw it too so okay if you have opinions this way we know we're not this way we can like make it clear when we're spoiling something if we do that people are very uh, sensitive these days christine no i know it's i thought it was a good idea um there is a movie on shutter called monster party tell me about monster party it is a Group. It is a fucking great cast. It is a group of. Oh, 
It's the first thing that comes up when I turn on Shudder. It's a group of reformed serial killers who, like, are having a dinner party, but things go bad, and then, like, it's a a murder party, Including starring Robin Tooney of The Craft. Um, yes, she is in it. Um, Julian McMahon, who I am eternally in love with, Mm -hmm. is in it. Um, there's a couple other recognizable people. Um, oh, Lance Reddick is in it. But... It's it was not good at all. Aww. I'm so sad. But you know what? This is the thing I'll say about Shutter. When I have I have seen some things on Shutter that I have not liked. Sure. But I understand why someone would like them. Also, they're at least interesting. Okay. It, it's not like you go on Shutter and you get the same movies. Mm, I like, hear what you're saying. Like different versions of the same story. Uh, yep. I mean, I didn't like this, but also maybe it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. It was a little like hyper violent and a okay. little tongue in, a little too smug and tongue in cheek. But like, if that's what you're there for, go for it. Okay, I, I I hear what you're saying, and I think and I agree. That's what's cool about Cheddar is that it, it there's something very rounded about it, mm-hmm. where you do have the best variety of horror that than you can find anywhere else. So yes, I. I, I, I feel like every time I say I watched a thing on Shudder, it's followed by, and I didn't like it. Right. But, like, I, I'm i not unhappy that I sat through it. I, you know? Like, I think there's a distinct difference. Okay. Um, and watch Jumpin' Jack Flash. Oh, I have never seen it, and I really want to oh see my it. God, oh, I know! Like... It's Penny Marshall's first film! It, it is. So this is a movie that my mom sat me down and watched. Oh. Um, I love this movie so much. Oh, man. I we so recently we re- rewatched Ghost and for me the strength of Ghost is uh, obviously it's about a ghost but also Whoopi Goldberg. Um this is the first Whoopi Goldberg movie I saw. She is so funny and so good. This movie is so good. I've heard that. Um we we know what we really need to do is just like do a do a Penny Marshall episode or or do a bunch of Penny Marshall episodes. Yeah, cuz there's a lot of Penny Marshall films I haven't seen. And this is one, um, there's a lot out there that she did that are just odd, that I, th- I feel like are more interesting than people gave them credit for that I would love to delve into. So I, I want to watch this one day. Yeah, I, I, you would love, I, th- I don't think there's any way you wouldn't love it. You would love yeah. it. It's, it holds up so well. I loved it when I was a kid for some reason. She's, the, the characterization mm-hmm. of, of who, of the, character she plays is so good and so interesting like i feel like an immediate connection to her yeah she's and it's old it's old new not old new york but it's new york of a certain time is it Um, streaming anywhere no No? we rented it got it we rented it i would like to buy this movie let me add it to my netflix queue it is so fucking good that's all wonderful um Blue wanted something quick to put on. Rewatch Zombieland. Apparently, there's a new one actually coming out this year. Yes, I've heard that. Yeah, how does that hold up? I don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't love that movie, but I I appreciate a lot of what it's doing. It was it's an original property. It's got really good makeup effects. It's it's got a point of view, but like it also does stuff that makes me roll my eyes. And I feel like that's one that might have, when it came out, it was pretty fresh because you didn't, I can't even remember, was it pre-Walking Dead? 
I think it came out in 2009. I don't okay. remember when Walking so Dead actually started. it came started. out early enough where it wasn't, where, like, zombies were still kind of something horror fans knew and general audiences kind of knew. But then, but, like, it's this, like, where, like, to us, the rules were like, yeah, we know these rules. We've been living with them for 30 years ever since we watched our first Romero film. Yeah. But now I feel like a lot of it's probably become so kind of common in a sense where I wonder how it would play. And I'm very curious about how the sequel will, will land. Yeah, I, I'm curious if they're, if they're going to do anything inventive with the sequel. It's streaming. It seems like it's streaming everywhere. I think it's on that too. Hulu. Yeah. It's on Amazon. It might have just came on Netflix. Yeah. Um, but my my problem with it is I think isn't even like that it delves into rote territory i think it's just that it 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 anything interesting it was doing it drops pretty quick everybody becomes kind of stupid oh my god and that it, yeah the finale there is no way to justify the character's yep. decision to do that other than the fact that you wanted really cool set pieces right and it's a, and if, if and if i allow myself to be okay with that yes some of them are but cool. it's it's a big um it's it's one of those. We talked a little when we talked about us. We kind of talked about that. The whole like you've been so when you're so specific about one thing, it opens the door for me to then question everything that doesn't line up with that. Yeah, and that's kind of Zombieland. The whole thing is like here are the rules. Here's how you survive. Here are these really smart, quick characters that have survived while all and these other people haven't. Are so stupid. And now they're yeah. going to go to an amusement park and turn all the power on and the lights on and not think zombies are going to come there. Yeah, it it definitely is like, oh boy. Like, my patience with that aspect of it was very thin. Yeah, it's but, a really yeah. hard built pill to take. I mean, it still looked cool. Yeah, but... definitely. I mean, there's a clown zombie. That's fun. Yeah. Um, here's a movie that I didn't like, and it was called Cold Pursuit. Oh, that's on Shudder? I feel like I've seen that one. No, Goodbye. I don't believe so. That's the Liam Neeson movie where... He drives oh, a the Zamboni one. snowplower. Yeah. Oh, that, that seemed like it would be fun before we all decided not to give it money because he's a racist. Yeah, it 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 doesn't. Its tone is really strange, mm. and it's I think it's a comedy. Oh. I think it's a comedy, and it does the thing where like its bad guys are like comically bad, like they're an inch away from stealing candy from children. Bad. <laughs> But like, it that that's not fun. I don't like that. Okay, fair. Like, oh, you're not gonna care that this guy gets his head blown off because he because he's such an asshole. Mm. Like, uh, you know what? Why don't you just give me a guy that's like interesting and complex, and then I'll decide if I care if he gets his head blown off. Like, I don't. Yeah, why are fair. we doing this? Yeah, I hear you. But also, it was long and it was boring and yeah. it it was totally fucking weird so it was no the commuter is what you're telling me i you know what it might have been less boring than the commuter <gasps> you didn't like i thought you liked the commuter the commuter was it's about oh, commuting christine he's a commuter he commutes i i don't remember look you can rewind the tape and see what i said about it but time has not aged that well in oh. my head and I, okay, I find the, found the commuter so ridiculous in every aspect of its screen time that it was very amusing to me. It was, there are better movies on trains. 
Oh, but not about the act of commuting, I would argue. I would argue... Okay, fine. <laughs> Give me that, Christine. <laughs> you can have that. And not with Vera Farmiga in a cameo. There you go. Okay. That's true. And then the last two I actually saw this weekend, and you should see both of them, and one of them you need to see. Okay. I saw The Intruder. <gasps> oh, okay. Okay. Oh my god, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> It's Emily Good. Oh, oh, me good is such a good thing. Is it like, ooh, so it's, you're saying way better than The Roommate, right? It, it was, well, first of all, it was a real movie. And I don't feel like The Roommate. That is very fair. <laughs> um, so do you know who wrote The Intruder? No. Um, the same dude who wrote Obsessed, a movie I am obsessed with. Does it push further than obsessed oh i feel like obsessed doesn't pushes go far all enough. the way okay okay all right good good it's it's a wild weird movie mm-hmm. it's so strange i i think it's about baby boomers stealing everything from millennials and not letting Ooh. us have anything Ooh. I, but, like, um, I like your read also, like, the end credits were fucking weird. The whole movie was Ooh. awesome and weird. I loved it so much. So, as you're saying this, I have, always have the TV on mute in the background because I um, have, like, I guess sensory issues. And there's a commercial on, and it's one of the Dennis Quaid commercials for whatever insurance thingy he does. And, like, mm-hmm. he's staring at the camera being really aggressive, but it's on mute, so I don't know what he's saying. So, therefore, in my mind, he's saying, Emily, you really need to see The Intruder. I, I'm very That's happy. fate right there. That There's no other explanation for that. And do you know who directed it? No. The gentleman who directed that really bizarre, low-budget um, horror movie, Chain Letter. Do you remember? <gasps> oh, my God! Right? Why didn't you lead with that? Christine, I know we're supposed to record right now, but I've got to go see if there's a screening. <laughs> oh, my God. People. Cr- cr- now, you... Christine, you've seen Chain Letter, so you know. But if our listeners don't know, (laughs) listeners, if you like chains. And letters. But particularly chains. There is no better movie, or no movie at all, with as many (laughs) chains as Chain. Chain Letter is one of the greatest movies. I mean, it's easily the greatest movie about chains, but oh my god. This guy directed Chain Letter? And he yeah. directed this movie? Yeah. Oh my god, you've just made me so happy. I It's like a perfect movie. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Does it have chains? Mmm, no. Oh, it's disappointing. But um, it does have chandeliers, and there's no. a cool chandelier gag. Okay, okay. Um, This is incredibly exciting. My vote is that when this movie becomes available to me because i don't know that i'll have a chance to yes. see it in a theater uh that you and i i'm saying it right now we do a Dion taylor double feature and that we review the intruder and chain letter yes because i want more people to see chain letter definitely okay let's do it this is all very exciting to me um and then the last one is i couldn't decide so we saw two movies this weekend we went and saw a long shot as well oh which- okay Tell me what you Wait, think of Longshot. I, it was a little long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a comedy made in 2019. I know. It was a little long. It felt a little long. 
overall, I I thought it was fantastic. I loved oh, it. Oh, good, good. Um, I I thought it was a cute. Tra- it was one of those like trailers for comedies almost never work for me because they're just gonna focus on jokes that like don't appeal to me typically. And I've mm-hmm. seen that trailer twice now, and I thought that looks like a really charming trailer. I hope that movie is good because it's the kind of movie I want to be good for somebody. Um. And it is good. It is good. And Charlize is really good in it. And good. she gets to be, not only does she get to be beautiful and badass and unattainable, but she gets to be fun and goofy. Good, good. And I like when you get to see vulnerable Charlize. It doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. True. So, good. yeah. That makes me very happy to hear. I recommend when that one becomes available to you Excellent. as well. Excellent. Good to hear. Any more on your end? That's all I got. All right. Um, so what do I have? I have a small list. Uh, on Netflix, I've been watching a... I thought it was a miniseries, and I got really excited because I'm like, oh, great, six episodes, and I'm done. And then it's the sixth episode, and I'm like, ten minutes from the end, I'm like, they have to really finish a lot of plot threads <laughs> to get this done. And then I realized, oh, there's a season two coming out. But that being said, I did enjoy it. It is called Kingdom. That's, Sorry, I That's sneezed. okay. You're allowed to be allergic to the kingdom if you'd like to be. What is this? So the concept is awesome. It is a zombie miniseries, which doesn't sound exciting in 2019 when there's a lot of those. But it is Korean, and it is set in, like, the 1600s, I think. It's basically, imagine... Uh, medieval, not medieval times, I guess, I don't know, 16th century, 17th century, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. If you dropped a zombie story in that time period, when you don't have gun, or you have a gun that, you know, takes 10 minutes to load and fire, you don't have cars, you're getting by on boats and horses, you're wearing long robes and clothing that is not very um, good for zombie fighting, and mm-hmm. set your zombie series then. Which is really cool. It's it's a way of doing zombies in, in a place that we have not seen them used. It also does a cool thing with the zombies as far as like kind of how they work. It's traditional zombies that run, but there's a twist to them as far as when they're zombies. Uh, it, and it's got like a good kind of political intrigue about it. So I enjoyed it. Um, it can drag a little bit, but it's six episodes, an hour-ish each. And then we'll have a season two, I think, sometime, like, in fall. So Interesting. Something different if you want zombies but want it in a different time period. And this is on Netflix. It is on Netflix, yeah. Netflix just doesn't show me stuff now. You know, this one was weird because this one, I don't think they showed me. I think I I happened to see it on a list of, like, Netflix shows you should be watching. And this is a, quote-unquote, Netflix. I don't know that it was made for Netflix, but it is, like... A Netflix exclusive, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, I, I give it a go. Um, I watched on one of my old TCM recordings um, from nineteen late fifties, I think, a movie called The Snake Woman, a sort of British. Uh, kind of feels like it would have been a Hammer movie if it had been made like ten years later. It's a crazy doctor who is a injecting his pregnant wife with snake venom she gives birth to a daughter who's sort of a snake sort of not sort of a ghost sort what? of not there's a lot of angry townspeople in this movie it's okay it's not a great movie but there's like three scenes of townspeople immediately lighting torches and marching down fields and that made me happy that plot is bananas yeah and it it's it it's fun that it's bananas <laughs> but it doesn't have like a kind of 
because it's it moves really quickly but there's kind of no guiding force so then they throw in your sort of romantic hero and he's boring and you're like can we just have a snake woman be the lead because that might be fun Mm, so not a huge recommend but kind of interesting especially if you like angry mobs with torches because there's a lot of them um a movie that i think i don't know I, i i okay so I liked this movie because I'm very easily amused by made-for-TV, Lifetime-esque um, thrillers in from the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. So you can find a lot of them on Amazon Prime, one of which is called Violation of Trust. I think the alternate title is like, we know she's... What is the alternate title? It's like, oh, she says she's innocent. So... <laughs> Oh, she says she is. She says she's innocent. Now, the she of the title is um, uh, Charlotte Ross, who some people might know from Days of Our Lives. She played Eve. Mm-hmm. And she's a teenager. And um, her, like, frenemy goes missing and dies. And we think it's her. And her mom is Katie Seagal. And her stepdad is, or no, not her stepdad, but the victim's stepdad is Robert Picardo. And as soon as I say stepdad, like, you should know exactly what the actual reveal of the plot is. Um, But it's sort of a, you know, it's a murder case. I don't know if it was based on a true story. It felt like it should have been because it was very complicated and didn't need to be so complicated. So I really hope that's because, like, it was based on a real case. Um, Mm -hmm. It's worth watching for the fashion and hair. I mean, bangs were big in 1990. <laughs> like physically big or big like popular? Physically. Like Charlotte Ross <laughs> is very short. I think she's probably like 5'2", five, 5'3". Five, but with her bangs, she's like 5'8". It's like, it. there's a style thing going on here. Uh, so go for it. Amazon Prime. Okay. On, oh, also on Amazon Prime. Uh, <laughs> so... I mentioned this earlier, how like, oh, we're going to start seeing like early 2000s come back into play and eventually Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. this decade. So you don't realize there was an aesthetic to the early 2000s until you watch a movie like Open Graves on Amazon Prime. Okay. Uh, I feel like you may have seen this in your lifetime. Eliza Dushku and Mike Vogel. This is ringing any bells. It's sort of... Maybe? It's basically Jumanji as a horror movie. They're hot. I'm gonna IMDb that shit. Okay, it, see if it rings a bell. They're hot young Americans in Spain, and um, they find a board game from the Spanish Inquisition. Now, here's the greatest part about I, this. Okay, I don't. I didn't even get it to load yet. I definitely didn't see this. Oh damn! I would remember. I feel like it's kind of movie you would have seen. Thing. I really do. So, because well, that's the best thing about the Spanish Inquisition, the opening scene is just clearly they made this movie and then decided before they released it, like, oh, you know, we should be more brutal. Like these Saw movies are really taken off, but we have nowhere to put the brutality. Let's just add a really quick opening montage of torture in the Spanish Inquisition. And like, it's a really like one of those scenes. It's all like quick cuts, and there's I think like a pierced nipple getting ripped off of a woman's chest, like that kind of thing. Jesus! And it's so crazy. And then that goes away. Like you never get that kind of that level of brutality again in the movie. The um, cover image for this on IMDb is wild too. Is it a bunch of like floating heads kind of thing? No, it's a a brown haired woman. 
Oh, could or couldn't be Eliza. I don't think it is. Like, <laughs> I see it. Right, Christ style yeah, on a yeah. dagger. Yeah. With, like, snakes covering her boobs. <laughs> um, That's about right. You really know what you're getting with that one. Yeah, so they're they're playing this board game, and when they draw cards, it basically, if they get, like, eliminated from the game, a few days later, they die. Now, there's a lot of great things going on here. One is that this is a board game from the Spanish Inquisition. Yes. And yet... Famous for its board games. Famous for its board games. And really ahead of the curve in realizing the board game market for haunted board games in particular would be hot young Americans. <laughs> Hence, mm-hmm. all of the cards and instructions are in English. Oh, that seems like a bad yeah. idea. Oh, and there's some rant... Like, there is some really, really sci-fi channel levels of CGI happening, including snakes. And whenever you can throw in CGI snakes, it's a good thing. Um, this is not a good movie, but it is so of its time. And its time is not that long ago. Um, but it's, you know, 10 years younger than The Craft, if that helps at all. Jeez. So I recommend you watch it. I, I, maybe. That's a solid maybe. <laughs> you will not know what you're missing. And it ends so stupidly, too, because there's a point where you're like, okay, well, he's, they're not really going to not realize this thing, right? And they don't realize this thing. And then so the movie ends in a way where you're like, oh, this is the most unsatisfying ending for everybody involved, including, like, the villains who have to deal with this all over again. It'll make sense when you see it, which you will, because you're totally going to watch it. I mean, maybe. What better thing do you have to do with your life? That's true. I have nothing going on. Uh, Okay, moving on to a movie that was actually good, but kind of wasn't quite what I wanted. This is on Netflix. It is called, I kept thinking it was called Calibre, but then it dawned on me that it's British. So it probably is just Calibre, but they spell it (laughs) C-A-L-I-B-R-E. You're so classy. Aren't I? So Calibre, as I will call it now, is a, I guess it kind of came up as a, I don't know why I had it in my queue. I must have either seen something written about it or seen it in a way where it looked like it was going to be a horror movie. And it's a thriller. It kind of feels like it's going a certain direction. It made me think of you so much because I thought of watching this. I'm like, it's about these two dudes, like two kind of young, I don't know, like your typical characters that would be in a movie like this, Mm -hmm. who are city boys, who are, you know, old friends, who are going like one last weekend of, you know, wild manliness where they're going hunting in like this remote village. And something really terrible happens when they go hunting and suddenly they're really fucked and then they make a really bad decision on how to handle that. And meanwhile, they're in this kind of remote village where everybody knows everybody and is very distrusting of outsiders. And there's a big festival going on the next day to, where there's a bonfire and they celebrate the end of the hunting season. And you're, I'm watching this, I'm like, ooh, this is going in kill list territory, isn't it? Like, we're going to turn into a wicker man. They're going to get sacrificed. This is going to be like a whole thing. And I got so excited thinking that's where it's going to go because it's really tense and they're building mm-hmm. a lot of tension. And all I could think is this movie's going to go such great places. And instead, it just kind of tells the story of these two dudes and what they do and how the town deals with it. And it's it's good. It's tense. But man, did I think at one point I was getting such a more interesting movie than I got. And I don't know if it was this movie's fault or if it was me. But it left me unsatisfied. Although it's oh, so bad. I, I just added it to my queue. 
I think you'd like, I mean, it's good. I'm, I'm actually, as I say this, I'm really curious what you would think of it. I'm just going to give you a warning. It's not going to turn into a kill list. Which is, you know, good to know, manage expectations, but yeah. also really sad. Exactly. Yeah, no, I know you, you know, I get you. Um, it's, so it's a mild recommend. Uh, curious if others have seen it, but yeah, it just, it felt like it was going to do it and then it didn't. Uh, okay, I got two more before we go into Avengers territory. So um, we wanted something light and funny to watch, and I had never seen it. And Braddon said, well, you've never seen The Great Outdoors. Let's watch that. Have you ever seen The Great Outdoors? A long time ago, I think. Well, not a long time ago, but I don't really remember. Yeah, but... it's one that was probably on all the time when we were yeah. kids. I, one that I somehow missed. Um, it's fun. It's very... Uh, I love John Candy. I've always loved John Candy. I don't know how anybody could not love John Candy. So him on screen is just always comforting and fun. And even if the writing isn't great, he's great to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some weird things going on that are so of the time of this movie. Like there's a young romance that just feels weirdly placed and inappropriate. Um, But it's, it's fun. You know, I, I don't, didn't feel like, oh, I can't believe I missed this movie as a kid. Like, no, 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 but it was entertaining to watch now. Yeah, I'm looking on IMDb. I definitely have seen it from front to back a couple times. Sure. But I don't really remember the beats. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't know how it would play right, right now. Right. Um, and then the last one, also on Netflix, I'd seen a couple of people mention it and talk about it and sounded interesting. And it was the Breaker Upperverse a New Zealand comedy. Have you seen this go by your Netflix feed? No, I don't believe so. So this is, I believe, I didn't check, I think the actresses also wrote it. So these two women who um, basically have a sort of company where their job is to help break up couples that want to break up, but that like don't have the balls to do it. Um, and so these are two women who are one of whom is very bitter about relationships and everything else. The other who's a little more open and it's a comedy. It's, um, I liked it. There's parts of it that are really funny. Uh, it has kind of a, I mean, I guess like sort of a bridesmaidsy kind of tone, if you will, Mm -hmm, as far as mm -hmm. like, you could vary like, and part of it is that the lead actress reminded me physically of Kristen Wiig. Um, so there's like that comparison in my head as I'm watching it. Some of yeah. it's really funny and the actors are all great. Um, wasn't, um, there was something about the, the, the ending that was un- a little unsatisfying. I don't know what it was, but I did enjoy it. It's a, it's a good for a laugh, if you will. Hmm. Interesting. And then lastly, I also went to a theater to drink my seltzer very carefully. So as to not have to pee during the Avengers Endgame. Um, so yeah, it was long. It was long. I knew it was long. I knew it would be long going in, so I was ready for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you have to pee? Um, yeah, I go to the bathroom during every movie, though. Mm-hmm. I drink a lot of water. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's a good I kind of, there was a little bit of that whole, like, this is when you... You know what? Shut up. I'll go to the bathroom when I want to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I don't think my five minutes away from this three-hour movie is really going to impact my enjoyment of it. So I want to brag about something, um, and I really hope he doesn't mind. But now I had looked up the whole, like, when to go to the bathroom before and shown it to my husband so that, like, oh, by the way, here is in case you need it. 
And we went to see it at the Alamo Draft House, and we were in the front row, but it's the kind of theater where, like, that's not so bad. <laughs> and at one point in the movie, he whispers in my ear, he's like, this is the part where I can go, right? I'm like, oh, right, right. He, I am pretty sure he slipped under the, like, you know, didn't have to, like, walk through the aisle, could just, like, slip out right in front, ran out and ran back in in, like, under a minute. I'm con- I'm still not convinced he didn't just pee in the hallway. <laughs> Because as a woman, you would never do that that quickly. Yeah, yeah. Even when I think I'm quick, I know I'm not yeah, that you, quick. Like, it's one thing to, to go to the bathroom in, like, under a minute. It's another thing to open it, like, leave a theater, open a door, pee, open another door, come back. It, it was just very impressive to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> But so let's and let's that's our and that's our review. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, peep now. I guess I don't know. Like, I wanted to save this part to the end of this section in case people didn't want to listen. I don't know if we're going to spoil, but people are very sensitive about. And I understand why about hearing anything about this movie if they haven't seen it. So just so that we're free to talk about it as we as we want. And listeners, if you don't want to hear us talk about the Avengers, wait until you hear music of some sort, and then that will be the cue to go into the craft. So, uh. I I I liked it. I know people have since given like very strong opinions one way or the other about it. Um, I enjoyed it just fine. How did you feel? I liked it. I, there were some parts I liked more than others. Mm-hmm. Um, I really really like Nebula. She's great, yeah. and I liked that she had so very so much to do. To do. Yeah. Um, Nebula has a moment in this mm-hmm. that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And it will cement this as um, uh, one of my favorite Marvel movies wow. just because of that. But that is because I love her and mm-hmm. because I love Karen Gillan. Yeah. I uh, there's that moment, the, like the big bat, the big battle at the end. I mean, my God, I'm not spoiling anything. You, mm-hmm. We all knew this was going to happen. Was sufficiently cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think that part dragged on too long. I've seen other people say that it did. I don't. There is there is that moment, air quotes, during that fight, mm-hmm. which, of course, I loved, and I didn't find pandering I at all. Too. It made me cry. Me too. And this is one of those cases where, again, like, I mean, you and I are very, tend to have very strong opinions about female representation in movies. And... It, you know, and I know the Marvel movies have not in any ways been perfect, but that moment for me, like, I immediately welled up in that moment, and then reading all the people that were so angry about it was like, and even some of the anger that was very, and I saw, like, and it's, I saw an article on Vulture, I think, and it was about the moment, the, in the beginning, when the uh, Captain America is at the support group and there's a character talking about his story and how he's dealing with it. And he's a gay man. And it's very clear that he's a gay man from what he's saying. And it's one of those like, Oh, that's good. Good. Not like a good for them. Like, no, no, that's, there was no most traditional decisions would have had him talk about having a date with a woman. This movie, it was him having a date with a man. Okay, great. That's, that feels good and right in a movie like this. And this article on Vulture just went on about like, being so angry with it because that's all we get, but also saying, well, like, I'm thankful that we got that, but let's talk about the bigger problem. And it's like, not, and I don't ever want to be like to say, oh, but you got something because you, that's still unfair considering all the things you don't get in these movies. But just that sense that I think we're all in right now. And I'm seeing it now with game of Thrones of, 
we're so negative and I'm really hating that. Um, well, I can't, I can't really speak for people that, that didn't enjoy the, the, the lady team up. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why it's pandering because, because in my opinion, it would be pandering if, if they weren't allowed to do anything else and they just showed up for that minute. And then right. you didn't see you like, you didn't see Valkyrie on the Pegasus and you didn't like, it would be, uh, that would be pandering. Like, here you go. This is for you for a second. Okay. Now let the guys fight. Yeah. But instead that- you had a movie that actively as much as yes, overall the female characters had less screen time than the male characters, but all of those characters were, within this movie in a way where when that happened, there was a sense of, wow, look at how many different women, not just physically, but how, you know, Valkyrie compared to um, Scarlet Witch compared to um, what's her name from Black Panther are totally different characters that we all have in this one place. Yes. So I appreciated that. But the the um, bullshit uh, we put a gay character in our movie was bullshit. That was pandering, and that was insulting. Mm. It was the patting on the back was insulting. Though we have to make oh we're the Russo brothers and we don't know how to write women well and look <laughs> at us we have a we have a gay character which is one of the Russo brothers. Yes, we have the first gay character in the Marvel. I'm s- shut up. Like that's that's pandering that's mildly offensive like that's gross you're you're looking for a pat on the back for doing something normal for representing a well, huge portion here's a question of... did you feel that way during the movie or you felt that yes. way after when you read okay i i saw people complaining about it and i went like oh i wonder how this is actually gonna play and it was worse than i thought it was huh. gonna be and it, I was like, what is this eye-rolly bullshit? This self-congratulatory <laughs> pat on the back. There was a gay character in Paranorman. And there was some fucking back-patting about that. How long ago did Paranorman came, mm-hmm. come out? We're still doing that? We're still throwing a fucking bone to somebody and being like, look what we did. Congratulate us. Like, yeah, on, I guess, no. I don't know. I guess I saw it differently. Because to me, it was more... This is, uh, and I want to say it carefully because I am, I am straight and I'm not, this is something I'm not looking for in a movie the way I'm looking for female representation. So when I see it, what I see is representation where if every, every single couple we've essentially seen in Marvel movies, which is now 21 movies and counting, pretty much every single one of them is a traditional heterosexual couple. So to have, okay, here's a scene where we're just put, you know, it's a random character talking about a relationship. Let's let's add some diversity by having it be a gay man talking about a homosexual relationship. But but the 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 issue is like, what percentage of the population is is gay? And how many superheroes do you have in your movie? Oh, yeah. How many main characters? I'm not even superheroes. Main characters do you have in your movie? But the way you choose to show representation yeah. is by an unnamed character sure. who's it's basically like a cameo of the director. Like that's it. It you know what? Do oh, it yeah. and then 
don't say I, anything about it. I think it's a, yeah, it's a bigger problem within the universe when you've, I mean, again, you had 20 films before you had a female heading a film. You had 19 films before you had a man of color heading a film. It's, it is such a, and as I say that, like, suddenly it is, like, infuriating. Like, yes, there were 19 movies with heterosexual white men but, as superheroes before we got to anybody that wasn't that. They, they could have even made, I think her name was Ghost, the 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 big bad in Ant-Man 2. She could have been queer. It. They could have actually mm-hmm. let Carol be queer and Ms. Marvel. Oh, God, yes. Valkyrie could be queer. They could. And was supposed could... to be. Apparently, there was a scene that they cut, supposedly for pacing reasons, where it's very clear that Valkyrie is either bisexual or gay. Which I have heard that too. Yeah. They could have made. They could have had Jeff Goldblum's character in that God, fucking yes. movie. Be, but like they did. Like they did. It. it, it it's there's that that very offensive thing. Um, like gay or villain Mm. like so so like jeff goldblum is like a little mincing and even um what's his face um what is that dude's name i can't think of it he was he was a werewolf in something i'll (laughs) I'll, come off that when he was a bad guy in in these movies he was a little mincing like so you can do like these like "Mm, i'm slightly effeminate but it's okay because i'm evil like what also all gay guys aren't effeminate i'm not I'm not in any way asserting that, but like Jesus Christ, don't, don't they're, they're like the things that I read, the statements that I read, and maybe it was the context of the articles yeah. I read them in made it seem like they were being very congratulatory. Mm, like yeah. we, f- hey everyone, we finally sure. did it. Look at hey gay people, here's your gay, have it, and now let us straight up the rest of this movie. Like I, I just it's just so weird. <laughs> And and then people will be like, you, why why do you always have to push the a gay agenda into everything? I don't know. Why do you have to push your hetero agenda into everything? Yeah. Not all couplings look the same, and so to keep representing them is well, yeah. I mean, I guess white hetero couplings. It's gross. Yeah. No, I I don't disagree. I'm not, I'm not yelling at you. No, no, no. I'm please, I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop that! You are not. The I I do not disagree with what you're saying. I think. <laughs> um, I was about to like make a really bad analogy to the presidential election, but I won't even go there. Um, I I absolutely agree that it's ridiculous that it took us twenty one movies to get a gay character, and then it took us twenty characters to get us a female lead, and ninety characters. To get us a I guess I'm thinking, and I not that like oh good they gave us they gave us something. And again, I say this as somebody, as a straight white woman who is not, you know, necessarily, um, not that I don't have a right to an opinion on this, but this isn't necessarily my opinion to have. Um, but I'm watching this movie and thinking, okay, good. They threw, they did, There, here was a case. And it, like, it, again, I, I go back to, like, just, you know, what Gina Davis says about representation for women. When you have a scene of 10 scientists, somebody in that room needs to say, why aren't a few of them female? Why aren't a few of them not, you know, of color or something? And so to a movie like this where you have your main characters that you've already spent 20 movie, 21 movies establishing and you can't change at this point. Um, here we have a handful of one-off scene characters of random scenes 
okay, here's this character that we have a scene written for. Wait, this is a chance to just at least make some representation where we ha- where we've been so bad about it. And watching it for me, when I went to see see it, I knew I, I saw it Sunday, and I was able to not know anything about it. I went off the internet basically for two days and said I don't want anything spoiled. I'm just not going to pay any attention to anything until I go see it. So I didn't go in think, hearing anything. Um, really any anything about it before it happened. And so when that happened, it was like, oh, here's just like a, a nice little scene. I'm, I'm kind of digging where the, where the scene itself is going. And okay, oh, good. The, the character isn't a straight white man talking about a relationship that I would normally see here. So yeah, it's is it pandering? I guess in hindsight, watching it fresh, I didn't feel that way. I, I get what you're saying that you can't, I guess the problem is it too little, too late. Sure, kind of, kind of thing. Like you're saying, you know, we're at a point where it's already established characters and already established it's an established world, and we can't just make John Favreau's character show up to an event at the end, you know, with his with husband. Because then we'd say, which, "Oh, that's which pandering. we could have, but we whatever." But wouldn't you have felt that's pandering that. too? No. Well, less so. But again, I think I think the ship has sailed. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I think everything is going to be too little, too late, yeah. unless there is a an explicit. I mean, they they Disney now owns like all the Marvel properties. Mm-hmm. Like there are plenty of canon gay characters. Yes. Just do that, then you have them all. Make me a good gay X Men movie for fuck's sake. It's <laughs> all I want in the whole world. But like, I don't know. Look, Jesus Christ, Loki. I don't want I don't even want to get into it. But um <laughs> I it I think it wasn't so much for me the fact that they did it, it was the fact that they felt the need to address it the way they did. Okay. I get it. Like like it's fine that this is done, but like uh, come on. It's 2019 and we're like we're having like yeah. interviews Yes, we like, don't need pat oh, on the bats. Pat on the bats. Pat Pat, pats on the backs <laughs> there when it is. it's 2019. Yes. Yeah, we had to work for it, but we got there. Uh-huh. Well, there you go. All right, but overall, so overall, you you were happy with the movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, I didn't really love Infinity War. That's what that one was called. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and you know how I feel about Civil War. I do. But this was, I think, better. I feel like it did, I mean, they were trying to tie up some stuff. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it did drag on a little bit at the end. Like, I feel like it ended and then we had to keep having everybody's endings. Yeah, that's and that, fair. that was a little That was a little much. But yeah. I get, I mean, I know why they did it. I'm not, yeah. not going to be like, they could have cut all that out. Because, I mean, I guess they couldn't have because it's kind of a farewell for a lot of characters. Yeah. For me, um, and this is a spoiler, my favorite character in the entire Marvel Universe so far, at least, you know, in these movies and TV, is Peggy Carter. So mm-hmm. that she had uh, a meaningful role in this, I guess. Um, every every time she's mentioned or shown, I cry. Like, I just do. I loved that show so much. And I just think that character and that relationship was really moving. And then at the same time, I'm like, but I can't think about it. Because I, I so I, I think I was talking to Jason about this. Like, I give up on time travel in movies. I, don't try to explain it to me because it will never make sense because it's always wrong. And the time travel of Avengers, I think especially, is like, 
no, you can't try to explain that to me because no matter what, there's a broken rule somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you can say you can't change this, but what about that? That changed. Oh, well, you know, Gamora is back. No, but she can't. Then why can't Black Widow and all of this stuff? And so the whole, like, in thinking about that, I'm like, wait, if it ends the way it does, how does that affect Peggy Carter's life and her career and her marriage and her well, children? Well, yeah. Doesn't that erase all of that? I don't know maybe it does i'm very confused if somebody wants to explain it to me in a way where it doesn't and just make me feel good about there being like dual universe peggy carters one of whom who gets to have have it all the way well, she did well, and the yeah. other who gets wouldn't, to have hot sex with captain america two timelines so that i guess but then is what's the point if you're creating multiple timelines what's even the point of caring about the main timeline this is why I can't think of time travel. I don't think I have the brain capacity to do it. I'll never watch <laughs> That's Primer. That's not true. Yeah. No, I, it, it just, there's, I don't know, if somebody wants to explain it, but only explain it to me if it's happy and if there are two happy Peggy Carters living different lives. If you're going to come back and say, oh, well, no, this was the true destiny and Peggy Carter doesn't stay at shield and doesn't you know have all these children that supposedly she loved and have this great career as an agent who then agent fitzsimmons gets to or agent simmons gets to you know idolize like then don't don't talk to me just give me a scenario where there are two happy peggies well i mean you can believe that that is what it is (laughs) i do that with a lot of movies i I make my own endings and i'm very happy that way thank you very much (laughs) at christmas evil he flies and becomes magic santa i'm sticking to that thank you okay so having gotten all that out of our system i guess are we (laughs) let's take a quick break and come back and conjure up some witchcraft something like that let's do it yeah okay Many sights to see And when I look in my window So many different people to be That it's strange So strange You got to pick up every stick When was the first time you saw the craft? I was probably in high school. Okay. So uh, probably when it became available. I didn't see it in the theater. Was but it because was, it was rated R? Um, no, we just, I was poor and didn't go to the movies. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my, my movie watching definitely um, 
changed when the regular movie theater turned into a dollar fifty Ooh, movie nice. theater. <laughs> movies are, were my first lesson in inflation because I remember going to see when I could go to the movies on my own, which was probably around this this age. It was like three seventy five for a movie, and I remember it going up to four dollars. I remember it going up to five, five fifty, and of course now it's like seventeen dollars in New York. Um, I saw the craft in the theater, but I real I remember this now. So when we saw the so the craft came out in 1996. You and I were 14. I don't know about you in your part of the country. What you who what you were like as a 14 year old? Um, I was I was not like a goth kid, but a lot of my friends were. I was we didn't call ourselves goth. I don't know if this is a regional thing. We didn't call ourselves goths. We called ourselves like freaks. Was that a no, thing you did? If it, yes, it wasn't. A, I don't know if it was a regional thing. I think it was definitely an of a time thing. Okay. Yeah, so you had like preps and you had freaks. And my friends decided, now I was always like weird and geeky. So when my friends decided in like seventh grade that they wanted, and I remember this being like a dis- committee decision where they said, we're going to be freaks next year. And like, I remember going to the mall and then buying like black shirts and stuff and so I wasn't full, like, I, I kind of bridged a lot of crowds, if you will, because I was also, like, a band geek and nerd geek, and I was also played softball and soccer, so I was also a jock with preps. So it was a very, you know, I lived a complicated life in 1996. Um, but when I when we saw that this movie was coming out, we got so excited, and we went to the theaters to see it, and the, you know, 17-year-old Brookhaven multiplex employee would not sell us tickets to see it because it was rated R. Uh, so we had to, I believe, go see the first Wives Club. Are you fucking kidding me? Um, was it the first Wives Club or was it? Let me see. Did the first Wives Club come out around the same time? It was either this or my best friend's wedding. No, I'm pretty sure. 1996. I'm pretty sure it was the first Wives Club. Um, and it wasn't even the way our theater was. Um, there was one ticket taker, but then basically, like, they would, s- you could only sneak into a different theater if it was on a certain side of the of the theater, if that makes sense. It's like you couldn't cross over to the other side. If, if your movie was it, in yeah, the right wing sense. and the other movie was in the left wing, you weren't going to get to go see that one because they would rip your ticket and say, go to the left. And they would know if you went to the right. So we were stuck in a situation where the First Wives Club was in one wing, the craft was in the other, and we had to go see the First Wives Club, which is a delightful movie, I believe. I haven't seen it in some Very time. age appropriate. Very too. much, yes. Um, but then I think it was like, I mean, it was probably this, oh my God, I know this is exactly right. It, this movie must have come out around in May because it was my mom's birthday around that time. And I said to my mom, mom, I'd like to treat you to the movies. Why don't we go see this, this movie that's out called The Craft? <laughs> um, and so, oh wait, maybe I'm wrong because The First Wives Club came out in September and The Craft... They don't list it. Came out, uh, came out in May, so it wasn't First Wives Club, but it was something like that. Um, maybe my best friend's wedding. Anyway, um, so I went to see the craft with my mother because I really wanted to see the craft, and I paid for her ticket and popcorn. I, I mean, that's really cute. And my mom liked it. Like she liked movies, and this was fine. Uh, but when this came out, then on video, I'm sure one of my friends must have had it, and we would watch it at sleepovers and. Um, and all of that. So this was 
like I watched this a lot as a as a teenager. But for you, then it was just a high school kind of watch it, forget it, then come back to it as an adult. Yeah, I, I, I didn't have friends really, so I don't think I watched it with anybody necessarily. But I did like it, and I knew that I liked it, mm-hmm. and I did dress in a more low key version Ooh, of yeah. this. Of which one? Of who? Who was your fashion template of the four? Honestly, probably Bonnie. I'm going to say yeah. that Bonnie, for Nev Campbell, for anybody who's wondering. Bonnie um, pre, uh, with scars or without scars? You know, a little from column A, a little from column B, okay, depending on okay, the... Okay. Um, I, Bonnie is my favorite. Um, I love Bonnie. Mm. Uh, <laughs> she's, she is, she is me, and I am her. Aww. Um, but like, yeah, I definitely, multiple necklaces, uh, she wears a lot of a lot of long skirts. I had a, you know a lot mm-hmm. of chunky shoes, long black skirts. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was that was what I did. And then people would be like, "You're dressed like a witch," and like they were insulting me, and I'd be like, "Fuck you." You're like, "We are the weirdest, Mister." I mean, I am yeah. the weird. I mean, I am the witch, Mister. Yeah. Yeah. Girl Look power at, all the way. Some of us are relegated to be sole practitioners. Oh. We we can't all have covens like, but like if the you, ladies in this. But then like, again, if you had a coven, what if it goes the direction this coven goes? And this is this is the thing. This this movie is um this movie is so good. <laughs> um. Hey, this movie is about four girls in high school and witchcraft. You've got the synopsis. Enjoy. And, and you know what's really funny, too? So when they were filming this, they thought they could get, get a PG-13 rating because they said, okay, it's it's about teenage girls. Our audience is teenage girls. We're aiming for PG-13. And the movie feels very PG-13. There's, there's yeah. not nudity. Um, you know, the violence is not crazy in a way that would be an R rating. And I think what it was was like halfway through filming – I guess the producers or somebody said to the director, um, you're making a movie about teenage girls and witchcraft. There's no way you're not getting an R. It's an automatic R. And so then I think they kind of like spruced it up a little bit and said, okay, well, let's throw in a few more fucks. Yeah. But like, granted, I mean, this movie has rape. This movie has things in it or attempted rape that like, yes, that's a pretty, that is an adult audience or should be framed in a certain adult way. But just that being like, it just makes me think of like boys don't cry when it's oh you you're showing a woman having an orgasm so therefore it's NC seventeen. Yeah, it, this there it is a pretty innocuous movie. Yeah. There is no like heads getting bashed in yep. or you know yeah it's it's not bloody it's not particularly violent it's not it's not vulgar mm-hmm. it's not sexual I mean yes there isn't an, an attempted rape but it's it's I think it's handled. Yeah, and well. that and that was for me. I was worried about this was one of those movies I was scared to revisit. We talked a little bit about it on the on an episode or two ago of this being one of those movies that was that was really important to me. I loved this movie. It was one of the few teenage movies made when I was a teenager where I felt like the movie was speaking to me or I felt like I could kind of put myself in it and felt like, Oh, this, this is where I could have been a character or my friends could have been characters in this movie. And the last couple of years, this movie has both kind of become a cult classic because the nineties are in, we all know that. But also I've seen like an article here or there about some of the, you know, is it problematic? Is it representing women a certain way? And so I really 
remembered certain things and kind of thought of things of like, oh, this is going to, I'm going to see things I don't like when I rewatch this, which happens with a lot of teenage movies, especially ones written and directed by men, which this one Mm -hmm. is. And I didn't feel that way. I don't think it's perfect. I think, but I think the imperfections are very much character based and it's believable that, you know, yes, Sarah, who is this, you know, smart, um, good person, would still be obsessed with this asshole dude after he did something terrible to her. Mm-hmm. It's believable. It's not great. It's not something, you know, that you want to see. But, oh my god, how many girls did you know in high school who still were obsessed with dudes who really did them wrong? Well, I was one of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean... It's, it's, I don't, maybe this is saying a lot about me. I don't find this movie problematic or incorrect in any yeah. way. But if it is, then I guess we just gotta peer into my psyche because <laughs> I don't, I don't see it at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a lot of, it, it's funny, the, the criticisms you see are, I don't know, there's like several different camps of it. You have, I think some women who watch it and just because it's not their exact experience kind of, you know, pull out problems in it. Mm-hmm. You have, I think, men who read it that way of, oh, what girl would put a love spell on a guy that told the whole school she was bad in bed because she said she wouldn't sleep with him. Um, you didn't know what girls were like in high school. Like, girls yeah. hate themselves in high school. And I think something this movie does really well is the character of Sarah is a really rich, sad, layered person who, without them coming out and saying everything, is clearly dealing with depression and mm-hmm, anxiety mm-hmm. and all this shit. And she's 17. And she is going to make terrible decisions. And she I, does. And she does. And it's not unbelievable. And no. it's not done in a way that makes any of the characters look stupid or weak no it's it's just believable choices something that i really like about this movie is when um sarah the uh robin tooney character shows up at this new school she's she doesn't really know anybody and she's kind of sitting by herself but she's it's not like that caricature of like a first day at school where like people are throwing stuff at her head or telling her to drop dead she's just like there and she's like self um self-aware enough and like present enough she's just okay Mm -hmm. and it's it's so interesting because you realize that like yeah that's what would that's what would happen she's a person and yeah, it's not high school this, like... movies especially fall tend to fall so much on, you know, oh she's she's gonna be really nerdy and she's not gonna fit in. Or she's like but no, like she looks like a real person. Occasionally with a bad wig, but Yeah, and and I, I appreciate that like it's not like look at this social idiot. Right. It's, like she's a competent girl and that makes you know, her choices of who she hangs out with and what she does interesting mm-hmm. and, and like like you know deliberate because yeah. she's not some idiot that gets talked into things and she says throughout and not and in ways that i think because i think the screenplay is actually pretty good you know she drops 
things here and there to say, well, I didn't have any friends in my old school. I always have a really hard time making friends. And you totally, and I think one of the best things about this movie, and again, like this is where I watch this and I'm like, and there's like a montage where they're just all having fun. Like there's a, I love a montage, but there's like a friendship (laughs) montage, right? There's like, and it's them at a sleepover and it's them walking into school and it's them doing this. One of the things I love about that montage, and I really noticed it watching it this time, is you see them at a sleepover in a bed in like one of the girls' bedrooms. And then you see them again, clearly in another sleepover, but it's in a different bedroom. And it's so clear to me of like, oh right, this is Rochelle's house and this is Bonnie's house. And just mm-hmm. that like real sense of this was what it was like if you had like a tight group of friends these are the things you did at that age and they bond you understand why they bond um i think the actresses all have great chemistry with they play off each other so well especially um nev campbell and rachel true like Mm -hmm. their back and forths are just so charming and and believable as friends and it's it goes a long way in just you know yes they and the other like thing i know we've I remember saying about this about The Descent. If you watch The Descent as a movie about the power of female friendship, both the, like, the strength and weakness of it, mm-hmm. it's a really interesting dimension because when it is strong, it is the most powerful force in the world. And when it is not, when there is something in the middle of it, when there's a crack, it is the most dangerous thing in the world. And I think that's what this movie is about. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting in in its portrayal of, you know, female friendship, because it is, is it's sad because it's not wrong. Yeah. But it's like, this is sad, but also accurate. And, and like how quick, you know, Sarah falls out of favor. Yeah. Is, is upsetting. But again, also true. Time moves differently mm-hmm. when you're in high school. Like, you know, you can build the strongest, most intense oh friendship yeah. in a month, and then it could be over with just as quickly. Um, I was talking to somebody about that recently, how how often that would happen in high school and middle school, when you would have friendships, and it didn't happen so much, or no, it did happen to me once or twice, and I always remember not understanding it. I never didn't forgive somebody. If something went down, like you know, you should have a fight about it and then you should resolve it and everything else. And how many friendships I knew that when something went went down, and, and it happened actually with my core group of friends in around this age, in like eighth grade, not this age of the characters in the movie, but this age when this movie came out. And something, some disagreement happened between my best friend and like my three other friends in our friend group. They got into a fight. They never resolved it. They would not talk to each other. I suddenly had separate friend groups and it was like divorced parents. I couldn't go to the mall with all of them. I had to go to them. I had to pick one or the other. Mm. And every weekend it would be, oh, who are you hanging out with? You're hanging out with her? Okay, well, I guess we'll see you the next day. And it sucked so much, but it was something that happened at that age. Yeah. And it's ridiculous, but it is totally believable to any girl that was a girl at any age. Yeah. And, and you know, the power structure within the group. and oh, yeah. I, it's it's just an interesting characterization. Um, it, it's four very different characters, and mm-hmm. it's nice to have, you know, four different female characters. Yep. Um, that's appreciated. Uh, it, as much as it is about witchcraft, and honestly, it's not offensive about it, which mm-hmm. a lot of movies 
still do. Like, it's not satanic. It's not... Yeah, it kind of creates its own version of witchcraft, but not in a way... And, I mean, I'm I'm not a pagan. I'm not a, a Wiccan. I don't know. I'm sure some were offended, because, sure, it's... And it doesn't use the word Wiccan, does it? It no, really just it, says witch. It takes some liberties, which is fine. But here's the thing. I obviously was very young when this came out, and I was not well-versed in, in the world of uh, witchcraft or metaphysical studies. I wonder how much this movie influenced what current witchcraft looks like. Mm. Because it's a lot of things are very close, and yep. I wonder if this movie was just super accurate, or if... You know, it had that effect, yeah. Exactly, if all these younger women watched it and was like, oh, well, I'm going to adopt aspects of this. <laughs> um, um, I watched interesting. It very much. I watched this with commentary, and it's director commentary, so Andrew Fleming, who also did Dick, which is a delightful mm-hmm. movie, and Bad Dreams, going back. Um, oh, he, he talks about how um, one of the songs, I don't know the name of the song, but it's a song, like, you know the song, that they use in this movie was then used as the theme song for Charmed. Yeah, it's the Smith song. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Andrew Fleming clearly was not happy about that. And, like, very snidely, it's like, well, give Aaron Spelling credit for originality. Like, he he clearly felt like Charmed was kind of ripping this movie off and without kind of, I guess, paying homage. Um, that's a real. That's a really good point, and it, it speaks to that. Which you know, what came first? I don't know. Yeah. I would need to talk to oh, some. I would need to talk to a '90s witch, <laughs> no, to like see like oh, was yeah. was this representative of witchcraft uh, at the time, or has witchcraft kind of morphed to support this? Right, right. It's a good question. <laughs> which is so. It's so interesting. There's a, there's a lot of interesting semi accurate stuff in it, and. And that's cool because even watching like something like so- I couldn't watch Sabrina because <laughs> it's it's really not based in any type of reality. Mm, got it. Not to say that you can like legit walk on water, which is a thing that happens here, but also this is a movie, and I yes. think that you have to understand that it's a movie, but also it's dealing with something that people actually do. So it's a it's a good balance. This is a really good movie. It is. Yeah, I was I was really pleasantly satisfied rewatching it because I was concerned but the things that are good about like the things that are like really great about it I guess like are especially when you compare it to kind of what it was competing against like and I can't even think of what that is and I guess my mind goes straight to like the kind of post scream genre stuff that came out and you hold this up to like a disturbing behavior and mm-hmm. you know or teaching miss miss killing miss king miss kringle tingle whatever that one was like there's such a difference in like how the characters are written and portrayed in here and thinking about that like and all everybody's great in this the the four girls are wonderful Mm -hmm. how much of a difference does it make if you put somebody else in that feruza balk part because she is so fucking good and i watch on the deleted scenes there's a scene, um, there's a few interesting scenes, and there's one um, where it's uh, basically pr- takes place like between when Sarah tries to do the binding spell and when they kind of scare her in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And it's 
Sarah trying to convince the other two, hey, Nancy needs help. We have to stop this. Help me with this binding spell. And Nancy walks in on them and freaks out on them. And she basically, it's it's just, it's a great scene for Veru's bulk, but it's her kind of saying very much, I knew you got, I knew she was here to take you away from me. Um, everybody leaves me. I can't, I can never trust anybody. Um, you know, I was here when you had your crazy scars and nobody would talk to you and you were the only black girl in a white neighborhood and nobody would talk to you. And it's a, it's an interesting scene that was cut probably for pacing, but also because you don't need it because all of that's there in the movie. Mm -hmm. And yet when you really look at it, you're like, oh, but it's not there in the movie. They never talk about how they, the three of these girls became friends, but yet I never doubt it for a second of why they did. I get it. They're all outsiders. It makes sense. Um, or, you know, why Nancy loses it so quickly, it always made sense to me. Nancy was always alone and abused and was incredibly insecure and unhappy about everything. Mm -hmm. And yes, when somebody like that gets this crazy amount of power and you threaten to take it away from her, she's going to freak out. And she does it so well. Yeah, I know. I know. Almost, it makes me uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's... Feruza Balk is so many things in this movie. I think she she is scary. She is hysterical. I mean, she's she's genuinely funny in this, especially in the beginning. And... But she's also, I think, really sympathetic. I never hate yeah. Nancy. And the one thing that I think is a negative to this movie, when I when I watch it now, I do feel like, man... I wish Nancy had a different ending. I don't like Nancy's ending. I feel like she deserves better or something. And it's just sad to me to see where this movie puts her in the end. I get that. I, but I mean, isn't it, isn't it better than the alternative, which would be that maybe she died or something? Yes. Because what are, what are the other options? Because she still did terrible things and she killed a kid. Yeah, but he wasn't. He was gonna. He raped other. If that, I'm just gonna say that dude kind of deserved to die. Well, we I, know he's <laughs> raped other women. We know he's he's probably well, driven a lot of other women. Punishment to... and all. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. But, but I. The world's a better place without the, Chris. Is all I'm saying. The end of the movie at least acknowledges that Nancy needed help. Fair. I know that it was a very extreme movie version of help, but, like, she did. She wasn't okay. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and also, she would have run out of money quickly. $175,000. It's a lot, but it's not it's, enough to support that lifestyle. Right? Like, they buy a penthouse and a customized jukebox. And, and that just seems like within, I don't know, a couple of months, you're, you're ah, what are you doing there? Right. I'm always very concerned about that. As a, even as a teenager, I'm like, when the, when people win the lotto, it's like for a million dollars. That's not that much of a million dollars. Because there's also taxes. Yeah. It's a lot to be concerned about. <laughs> um, I, I get what you're saying about, about Nancy. I, I, that's never really bothered me mm-hmm. that much. I do simultaneously enjoy and hate that um, Bonnie and Rochelle basically have no power at all. 
that it all came from people they were around and that that makes me sad it you know and i feel like that is is almost a more and that works for me because i and i think because what the movie does at a certain point it really does kind of push them back not just as like lesser characters but as characters who just immediately decide kind of fall in line to nancy mm-hmm. and granted they're kind it's very clear from the beginning like nancy is the alpha of the group but they still like they all have a say in what they do right in the beginning it's um it's bonnie who keeps saying we need to bring sarah in the group sarah's our fourth trust me on this mm-hmm. and by the time you get after i guess the invocation of the spirit you feel like if nancy said boo bonnie would just say okay Mm-hmm. And so I think it's fitting that that is their punishment, that they kind of just become such sheep that they kind of don't deserve power, I guess, in a sense. Yeah, I get that. I just, I don't know. It's still, it's sad that that's what, what, what. But they it, look it really, really good in that last scene. I always remember like thinking okay. their fashion is on. Yeah, I like I I like the way everybody looks in this. It, there are some outfits that have have come full circle. Oh, yeah. Like you're like, oh, that's a now thing. <laughs> yeah, she could she could wear that now and be fine. Yeah, including the um, we're not quite back at. The, I know we talked about this with um, sliding doors. We're not quite back at the point where small-breasted women are supposed to be wearing t-shirts that really prominently show their nipples. But boy, were we there in 1996. Oh, sadly, we were. I don't care. It was such a thing. It was like, it, it, and I guess Friends started it, but it was, I was talking to Brandon about it. He was like, I just thought um, Jennifer Aniston had really, really prominent nipples. I'm like, no, dude, watch anything that was made in the 90s. All the women did. It was this very strange thought. Yeah, and I think I said this before, but but people have told me that she had fake nipples. Like I, <laughs> I almost wonder if they put them in. If it was a thing that some costume designers did in the nineties, because yeah, apparently she requested it. Yeah, but it wasn't even just her. Like so no, many, so I, many movies in the nineties did this. It was, it was a weird choice. I guess it's sexy. I, I mean, that was a question. There's Not an really appeal to team. somebody. I'm sure you're seeing nipples without in a PG thirteen movie. Plain and simple in this case. Um, some other 90s-ness of this, you have Brecken Meyer, who was in every movie that came out in the 90s. Yep. Um, and apparently, like, a lot of his stuff was just improvised. So when he's he is... pretty funny in this. He is! When he has the line, like, what are you, a Stepford boy? That was Brecken Meyer, not the script. Um, this, another improvised line that I thought was just very telling... Um, was Feruza Balk when she's when she's when she first meets Sarah and they're looking at her scars, um, and like she doesn't kind of know what to say, so she just goes like, "Punk rock, let's go." That yeah. was just Feruza Balk saying that, which is so great and just seems. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah, I I've, think the smartest thing you can do is if you are not a teen girl yes. making a movie about teen girls is to let them do stuff on yes. set, like let them. Yeah give feedback let them improvise let them change a scene yep. um because they fucking know how Trust they would them. act yeah and i feel like this movie does do that and i mean you see it a lot with breck and meyer 
but even with the rest of the girls, like, it doesn't feel like dialogue written by an adult for young women. Yeah. It does, most of the time, feel pretty organic. And I think this is also just really good acting on the part of the four of them. Um, yeah, everybody's really good in this, huh? Yeah. There's not really a weak link or, like, somebody that feels like they're out of no. out of their league. No. Um, Skeet Ulrich is so awful in the best way in this. Ugh, I know. He really is He's terrible. He's so gross. And it's like, he was gross then, but watching this movie in 2019... Like, when you're introduced to the dreamboat of the movie, and he's talking to this girl that he's interested in about another girl, and his line is, oh, she's a slut. I mean, I wouldn't know, but my friend said it. And, like, that being something that a dude would say to a girl, and that being okay, is just so upsetting. Uh, And he's, oh, yeah, it's, it's genuinely gross, but it should be, and it works. Yeah. Um... Other other random actor observations I had, Robin Tooney, who I think, she, so the reason she's wearing a wig in this movie, which sometimes you can really see, uh, is because she had just done Empire Records right before this movie, mm-hmm. which is a movie I kind of hate, but I understand people love it, and so I won't go into that here. But in that movie, she has a shaved head, and so she had really short hair when she did this. Um, so like she did two really intense movies, both of which where she played a character who had just tried to kill herself. She... Like she, ta- she can do like tapped in emotion really well. Like she can cry really effectively. You know what she can't do, or what she does really weird. What she runs really weird. Does she? Oh, you know what? I think I did kind of notice Watch that. Watch the scene where she's running away from the dude with the snake, and then or later when she's running to the magic shop um, after she's scared of Nancy, like. She does this crazy thing where, like, so her arms, I'm trying to do it here so that you can kind of get, get a feel. I'm trying to, I'm going to visually, I'm going to verbally walk my way through it. I'm doing visually. So she, her arms do not go, like, in fists the way you'd run. Mm-hmm. So her, her arms basically at her elbows just sort of dangle. And so when she runs, it's sort of like one of the tube people that you have at the opening of a gas station. Yeah. <laughs> they just kind of go back and forth and wiggle like that. It's very strange. I encourage everybody to go back and watch her running. It's I, I, now that you say it, I think I did kind of notice yeah. that. Yeah. Well, she's got a thing, right? Yeah, I wish that they would have just let her have weird. short hair than a wig. I know. I know. I guess... For the character, it kind of makes sense that she should sort of be the most traditional looking of them, or like the softest looking. Yeah. Right? Because you have like Bonnie and Nancy who have black hair. Um, You have Rochelle who really, like, I mean, Rachel True is gorgeous and has like a really sunny look to her. But so you want Sarah to kind of have, I don't know, I think the the haircut makes sense, but just the execution of the wig doesn't always... It's, she yeah, doesn't it's have not, Nicole Kidman's wig specialist on staff. It's not the most awesome. Do you know, like, Nicole Kidman has her own wig person for, like, every movie she does? Look, I believe it. Her wigs I are typically they really are good. You never realize it's a wig. Um, the other thing to say, so Rachel True, who is, like... I, I, so I have the DVD of this, and it's a very, it's a very like '90s DVD with the menu and music and all Aww. that. But so there's a couple, there's a featurette, and there's an interview with Rachel True, and we also, you and I both just saw her on the horror noir documentary. What a like lovely interviewee. She is so like, 
sometimes when you watch these making ofs and there's like an actor who really pops as themselves when they're just talking to the camera and like she's one of those actors that does and it just pains me because there's I mean there's been a lot recently about how um like there were a lot of big horror conventions that were doing like a craft reunion with Nev Campbell for Rusa Balk and um uh, and and Robin Tooney and there was kind of a where's Rachel True in all of this and Rachel and it's one thing if they invited her and she didn't go but Rachel True basically came out and said oh you don't invite me to these things I don't get invited to conventions nobody ever really includes me in this gee I wonder why and it's it's really fresh it's like it's really disappointing and frustrating mm-hmm because aside from you want that, you know, this was a movie kind of about being the weirdo and that being cool. So everybody should be accepted and celebrated and all that. But also, like, you see Rachel True and you're like, she's fantastic. She's probably great at conventions. <clears throat> yeah, it's extremely disappointing. Yeah. And right, even after all that happened, where there was kind of like a bit of a, hey, you're, just so everybody knows, I'm not being asked to do these. Yeah. Then, like, the anniversary of the craft happened, or there was like a, something happened in more than one article published, the craft starring um, yeah. Ro- Robin Tooney for Roosevelt, Neat yeah. Campbell, and Christine Taylor. Oh, God. Oh, so my like, God. Ugh. So you, you got four, but not the right four. And not it's- just the right because first of all it's not like oh okay you can say star status is different for all these women and of the four rachel true is probably the least known name but the same time it's not that christine teller is a household name and the other part of that is like you're going to include the character who is who is the racist tormentor of the actual character Mm -hmm. oh god the irony of that's awful yeah, it was, and oh. it happened after all this had happened. That's sad. So it's just, I can't even imagine what her life is. Yeah, it just happens over and over again. That is so awful. Ugh. Um, it's, it's it's incredibly disappointing, and I hope somehow this movie or somebody, the fans, whatever it is, finds a way to make that right because that's yeah, fucking bullshit. Um, ugh. yeah. Christine Taylor does play a good bitch in this. Yeah, she. I. I like. Look, I think I really like this movie a lot. I like everything about it. Yeah. Um. There is. There was talk a couple of years ago about a remake, and the director who did Honeymoon, female director <laughs> Lee Janik, Janiak, something like that. She mm-hmm. had been attached to it, which I thought was pretty exciting. I think she has since stepped away and now supposedly it's supposed to continue and um, let's see if they have it up here. It is, oh, they actually announced, no, it's a documentary TV series. That's not it. I feel like there has been movement on the remake. I think it might be a Blumhouse. It's being directed by Zoe Lister-Jones, who's a name I heard, but I don't know Mm -hmm. what she did. Oh, she's also an actress. She's a new girl. She plays a character named Fawn in New Girl. I don't watch New Girl, but a character named Fawn makes sense from what I know of that show. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so here's the thing. I am all for a remake of The Craft because I think you could totally find interesting ways in for this movie 23 years after its initial stab Mm -hmm. what do you think 
Yeah. Right? Right? Why not? Yeah. We have social media now. Of course there's going to be a different story to tell. I mean, I think that you could... I do think that this movie has aged well. Yeah. And to say that it, like, is, like, screaming for an update, I think is is not accurate. Mm -hmm. But I... I don't think there's anything wrong with maybe modernizing it a little bit. Sure. But also it could go terribly wrong. Oh, completely. But that's true <laughs> of any remake. Like, it really could. If you yeah. lose what made this work, then it's it's just not good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's probably the core of it, is to really understand, make this a movie about high school female friendship and sort of how strong and fragile it is then i think you have a movie yeah. maybe it maybe you know not all, maybe not all the characters are female you you know you could there's a lot to do with it there's a lot you can explore with it um you know bring please bring Frieza Balk back just because that could be fun yeah why um, not right yeah have, have it be all their kids like i don't know there's things you could do uh i'm i'm totally welcoming of a of a 2019 the craft i think you there's there's excitement there and i hope it's done right yeah yeah for uh, sure and or just have it start rachel true and make it up to her because she deserved better <laughs> i agree <sighs> yeah and that was the one thing i remember watching it then and now st- still that i found hard is like no but christine teller is really racist like i don't think that was that was cool in the 90s like could you really get away oh, with that in the 90s um i don't know it was extremely jarring though it's really the first time really intense yeah. like i remember and grant i don't know this could also just be like where you're from things are different but i remember in the 90s like never knowing if we could say the word black just because we didn't know what to what to how how to use language and nobody ever wanted mm-hmm. to offend anybody so for christine taylor to come in and use the word she uses in public occasionally in front of teachers is just really sometimes yeah. hard to swallow but again they establish it is an all-white neighborhood and a, and that's a thing so yes uh one other fun fact from the commentary uh they talk about how um you know, there are obviously there are scenes shot inside of a church and you think to yourself like oh yeah you're you're you know we talked about this is a movie about witchcraft and the director says like yeah so we filmed this in a church now you have to understand as a church you have to be really down on your luck to allow a movie to be filmed inside of you that's about witchcraft mm-hmm. like you have to really need some money from a production company to allow that to happen so they probably found a very um very lacking church, if you will, for that. <laughs> uh, was the commentary good? Would you recommend? I would. Yeah, it was. Inter- you know, I typically like a one-person commentary can sometimes be a little rough, um, and it definitely like it probably would have been more interesting if there, if one of the actors was in there too, or even if the screenwriter was in there. Um, but what was interesting was aside from some of those things of also him saying like. The scene early on when Feruza Balk is first kind of introducing the idea of Manon and saying what that is, that apparently went on for like three minutes and they cut it down. And so like those insights are always interesting. There's a lot of insights about the different bugs and what's real and what's not and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the A lot of just kind of his observations on the actors and how they interact 
just that sometimes is really interesting to hear a director observe, I guess. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely a commentary worth listening to. It's one of those commentaries you could like turn on and walk out of the room and have it playing as like an audio commentary in a way, mm-hmm. just because it's a lot of technical. He's a director. He's talking about this movie that he made. Um, giving a lot of credit to the actors, which I think is always a good thing for a director to do. Like he, he points out anytime an actor came up with something or an actor made a choice that is in there that wasn't necessarily on the page. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I think I need to own an actual edition of this. So I, I might have to look and in, look into that. Yeah. I have the DVD that came out again. This is probably a really old DVD, but it does have a lot of features. It has a feature ad. It has the commentary. It has a couple of deleted scenes. And then I believe there is a new, somebody put out a Blu-ray of it recently. I don't think it was mm-hmm. Shout Factory. Uh, the Craft Blu-ray release. Let's see if I can find it quickly. Uh, Shout, yeah, I was right. It was Shout Factory put out a updated Blu-ray with stuff. Um, yeah, there's new interviews, new interviews with the producers, interviews with the writers, interviews on the special effects. That would be fun. Yeah. Yep. So it's there. Yeah. It's a good one. It is. If you somehow haven't seen this movie, you should watch it. You really should. Yeah. Especially just because I feel like it's become... And this was like a moderate hit, I think, when it came out. It was not a huge budget. I think they actually put more money in it after the rough cut. They saw like, oh, we have a market for it. So it it was a mid to low budget. Came out, made its money. I think it was kind of a sleeper hit. Uh, but it wasn't talked about back then like my <laughs> friends knew it but I, I i don't think most most male audiences saw it i think it was a very specific generation of women that watched this movie and now with 90s being all the rage i think it's becoming much more referenced so definitely you're missing something now if you haven't seen it i'd say yeah yeah and it's good it's genuinely good it is genuinely good yeah all right, so that is The Craft. I recommend for both of us. Uh, all right, so now, lastly, our other recommends. You have a streaming recommend to share with the people at home. Um, Not really, but the other day I did just notice that The Final Destination is on <gasps> Netflix. Which is the best one. It, You know what? It is the best one. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so I feel like I'll probably watch that at some it's, point. Yeah. Um. One of my favorite cinematic going to the theater experiences, because I saw it with Jason, and sitting next to somebody who gets really involved during horror movies, sitting next to somebody like that during the balance beam scene of that movie <laughs> was such a joy. I can't even imagine. Such a joy. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good choice. Um, so mine is also on Netflix, and it is a new movie. Uh, and Christine, do you want to know what you are? Oh no, what? You are someone great. Okay. Do you want to know the name of the movie that I'm recommending? What? It's someone great. 
What is that? It's a movie called Someone's Great. Uh, it is a new movie, Netflix original, or like produced and acquired by Netflix. I don't know how all this shit works. Uh, it is written and directed by a lady named Jennifer Caton Robinson. Uh, it stars Gina Rodriguez and somebody I know you're a big fan of, Brittany Snow. Oh, oh wait, no! I have seen this go by, and I wanted to watch it based on Brittany Snow alone. I knew you would love it for her. She is great in it, and she gets to be great. I feel like sometimes Brittany Snow, like... Like Britney Snow has a lot that she can give, and she's not always asked to give it. And in this, she gets to play the kind of character you want to see Britney Snow play. Mm-hmm. That's um, so exciting. Yes. You know who else is in this movie? Who else? RuPaul. Really? Yeah, RuPaul has a cam. I mean, like a, a one-scene scene. This seems like an amazing movie. I really loved it. It's about the you know these kind of 29-year-old girls who are college friends, who are all sort of professional women in different ways. They live in New York City, and the you know it starts with uh, Gina Rodriguez has just gotten a job across the country and has broken up with her boyfriend, who's the dude from Sorry to Bother You and Get Out, like mm-hmm. Keith Stanfield, who's also great. Um... And so it's her sort. It's it's kind of a one crazy night thing. It's them deciding this is their last night to go party, and it's one of those. Here's the thing about this movie: it's it's really charming. It's really funny. The leads are all great. Like random people show up. Like Rosario Dawson shows up for one scene, and she's very funny. Um, it's <laughs> what there, there's kind of a makeover montage. So that's always a good thing. But the thing about this movie that I thought was really interesting was watching this movie and realizing how this very, very clear kind of generational divide. Mm -hmm. So these girls are 29 and they're all rounded characters. They all have kind of, you know, they're not lazily, they're really well written. They're really well done, but it really was an interesting thing for me being 30, an old woman of 37 who (laughs) who saw the craft in the movie theater 23 years ago. To watch a movie about 29-year-olds and kind of see certain generational differences, in a sense, of just like, oh, right, I'm not quite li- – my friends and I, we don't quite talk to each other like this, but this is how people of, like, real millennials do. Like, we don't do th- – like, I don't do things this way, but this is very much how people – and this is – if I was seven years younger – this could be me. It's mm-hmm. just interesting to watch it that way. I might have been overthinking it, but um, I don't know. It just it was kind of fascinating in that regard. But also, it's just really charming. It's sweet. It's all about, like, these women's friendships. And, like, even, like, there's a thing of, like, oh, there's a guy that one of them liked that the other one's sleeping with. It's not a thing. Because in real life, it wouldn't really be a thing. Yep. Um, so I, I pretty highly recommend it. Well, I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah, I, I I was interested, but also it's not my typical genre, so I sure. was kind of like, Meh. I don't know. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, I had heard the writer-director on a podcast I listened to called Keep It, which Jason recommended to me. It's, I listened to it. It's a guy that was on Jeopardy once as one of the hosts, so that's why I like it. Um, but just like hearing her talk about it, I was like, oh, this she sounds like somebody who I want to see a movie by. And I really enjoyed it. So I look forward to what you have to say about it. Oh, I will hope. I'm thinking of canceling Netflix soon, so I'll probably watch it soon. Wow, that's that's a big decision. Look, I'm just not happy with it. Interesting. 
Um, well, you do Shutter, you do Amazon Prime, you do Hulu, you have HBO. My God, there's so many services, and we have to pay for all of them in this world. Yeah, and I don't use it that much. Do you pay and for I CBS don't... All Access? No. Okay. I think my mom does though. Okay. She doesn't really use it. Because I this that's the the one line I'm drawing. Because I would love to watch The Twilight Zone, but I am not fucking paying for CBS. Yeah. I pay for cable. I, I... Um. We stopped paying for Hulu too recently. We're paring oh. way down. Mm, okay. Oh, you know what? We started using. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my infomercial. Oh, I need to. Hear... Um, yes, yes. I know so what you're going to say. Canopy. Yeah, Canopy is awesome. For the from through the library, that was really what pushed me over the edge because we were scrolling through that and I was like, oh, I forgot there were movies. I forgot that movies were a thing. Yeah. Because Netflix is like. How, why don't you watch one season of this show? Yeah. And I'm like, Netflix isn't what I want. Well, why don't you watch this movie that we made that has our logo on it? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe once, but I don't need eight of them. No, I agree. I I find a, when I see a Netflix original or a show that is a Netflix show, for me, it's usually a automatic, uh, I'm not going to watch it. And, and there are things that change my mind on that if the concept's really good or if I hear good things. But generally, my kind of rule of thumb now is like, I don't want your fucking Netflix originals. No, I came to I Netflix don't. to watch movies that I wanted to find, Ex- not movies that you're trying to make for me today. Exactly, and that's the problem because I, we all knew this was coming. Like they yeah. weren't, they weren't secretive about it. Nope, they they want to make the platform all their original content, and I think it's just hit the tipping point yeah, for me. That's fair. And and I'm like and and there's so many movies on Canopy that I watched on Netflix. Yeah, for those originally. of you who don't know, so Canopy it's K A N O P Y. Yes. And you it is another you can add it to your Roku or whatever service you're using. It works with your library. So there's like thousands of movies from every era. Like this is finally where you can go to find old movies or movies made before like 2008. Um, there is TV, not like current stuff, right? But anything that's been no. released on DVD might be on there, basically. It's a really good selection. It's a great and she, selection. I think, I think it was, I was talking to um friend of the show, Vishnu, about this. Yeah. I, I think it does skew a little bit more like quality and like highbrow. Yes. It's a little more art also, house. A lot of foreign stuff of, there. There's a ton of bava. Yeah. Like, there's so much shit on there. Like, we, we scrolled through the horror section. It it's, felt like it took us an hour. Yeah. There's so much The stuff. horror section finally feels like a video store, which has not been true of Netflix for a long time. It's somewhat true for Amazon. It's like the the video store that's still open, even though it shouldn't be, because all mm-hmm. the videos are, like, dying. That's what Amazon Prime is, I think, for horror. But Canopy, it's like, yeah, like you're saying, Bava and... Um, a, a lot of foreign stuff. It's a good selection. All you need is your library card. And if you don't have a library card, this is our PSA to say, why the fuck don't you have a library card? Yeah, you should get a library don't card. Don't you complain about spending money on books and movies without, if you just don't have a library card? I don't care where you live. There's a library near you. And I don't care if you're going to say, but my library doesn't have any good stuff. If you go on your library's website you can request stuff and they mail it to you there and then they send you an email when it's there and then you go in and you pick it up when it's there so people use your library it's definitely 
worth it. Yep. Um, this service, I, people had talked about it before. I'm sure you even have, but um, I I was just like, eh, and we finally set it up on Roku, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, well, never mind then. I think I think Netflix and I have have ended. Wow. Okay. What a fascinating journey you've been on. I know it's been it's been a lot. It's been really yeah. tough. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I have no idea what we're covering next. We we do have something in the mix with a, another special guest star that I know I'm very excited about. I think you're very excited about. Yes, I am very excited. Yes, this about. is a guest star from over the border. Uh, but we just need to schedule that, which we've been bad about doing. So you all should be excited, but we can't tell you why yet. Uh, we will when we know for sure what's coming next. We don't know for sure yet, so we're not going to <laughs> give you any false promises or false hope or anything like that. When we know what we're covering next, we will post it on Facebook and maybe Twitter if I remember that we have a Twitter account. Because I yes, usually all, get that. All in good time. Calm down. Indeed, everybody. Settle down. Uh, and we will leave you to say Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, all that stuff. Happy Memorial Day, Arbor Day. Did Arbor Day already happen? I think Arbor Day thing? happened. It's like Arbor Day an actual thing? Day. Arbor Day. Oh yeah, Friday, April twenty sixth. I'm sorry. Happy belated Arbor Day. Yeah. Was I you thinking? better apologize. We didn't watch The Guardian with the William Freakin movie about the killer nanny tree. I don't know what I was thinking. This year is just shot. We need to start it over. I'm okay. We can just continue from here. All right, if if, if you insist. <laughs> All right, on that note, um, don't abuse your witchy powers. Be nice to um, the new girls at school and I don't know. Blessed be or something. Enter the circle with perfect love and perfect trust. Perfect trust. I like that. Good night, folks. Night. After one whole quarter brandy, like a daisy, I awake. With no bromo seltzer handy, I don't even shake. Men are not a new sensation. I've done pretty well, I think. But this half pint imitation. Oh
I've sinned a lot. I mean. 